Well, there's always stories that we tell about ourselves or that other people tell about us, which kind of define who we are. Like, maybe not, they don't define us totally, but they say something about us. And they're the stories that people keep coming back to and that you keep coming back to because they're the stories that are like, oh yeah, that's who I am. That describes me, that tells me my identity or some part of my identity. And one of those stories for me is uh, the story about how I did not open my HSC results. What is the, what's the exam you do in uh, Canberra? In the, the ATA. That's the AST. AST? You do your AST and then you get your ATA and then you go to uni or TAFE. Uh, one of the two. Like that's, that's how it works? Yeah, great. So I was in year 12 and uh, in year 12, I, I, I had my plan. I was like, I'm going to be a filmmaker, the world famous filmmaker. As you can see, it worked out really well. And uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to do that. I was like, the first, my plan is I'll go to uni, but I'm going to go to uni like later as a mature age student. I'm going to spend the first four years just kind of getting work in the film industry. So that was my plan. And I was, I was like, when I leave school, that'll be it. So I don't need to worry too much about my HSC. But then I had my teachers in year 12 and they're like, you guys need to work hard. This is the most important year of your life. If you don't do well now, then I don't know what's going to happen. You've got to work hard. You've got to work hard. Like, they'd be doing it again and again. Like, if you get a bad mark in year 12, then, like, your, if your ATAR is rubbish, well, then, you know, you won't be able to get into the university course that you want to get into. And if you don't get a good university course, then you won't be able to get a good degree. If you don't get a good degree, then you won't get a good job. If you don't get a good job, then you won't have any money and you'll be homeless. So pretty much, if you fail now in year 12, you fail at life. You're done for. So you better work hard. And I was like, whoa, that's way too much. And they just said this again and again. And in the end, I was like, I've had enough. I'm not going to open my HSC results, my end of year results. I'm not going to open it. When they send out my, my mark, I'm just going to leave it there in the envelope. Because in those days, it came in the actual envelope. And if you want, oh, you still do, but you, they text it to you and then they like you know, put it on Facebook and then they shout it at you through the window. Like, there's no way you can avoid it these days. But those days, like, you just have to wait for the postman and then uh, someone to telegram. And, like, Morse code, like, oh, look at that. Anyway, but, uh, you know, I was waiting and then when the letter came, I was like, I'm just not going to open it. And my friends were like, yeah, great idea. And so we went through the HSC and the, the, the letter came and I just, I looked at it and I was like, great, I'm just putting this away. And I put it away for 10 years. I didn't open it. I never found out my mark for 10 years. And then people would ask me, they're like, what, what mark did you get, Tom? I was like, I don't know. It's like, you never opened the results? It's like, never opened them. Like, but how, do you want to know what you got? It's like, yeah, come to my party in 10 years and you'll find out. And then and people kept saying that. My grandfather, uh, he said to me, and this is probably the bit that I'm least proud of. He was like, he, was, he had cancer and he was like, what did you, what did you get? And I was like, you better hang around for 10 years and then you'll find out my mark. Probably should have been a bit more compassionate, but I really was like, I'm not opening it. And then I waited 10 years and then I had a party. Did I invite you to the party, Matt? Oh, I didn't invite Matt to the party. I'm sure I invited you. You probably couldn't come. You did, did you come? <laughs> and it was a great and memorable party. And we had, it, we had a band and we, we got people to like write down on a piece of paper what they thought I got. And so if you got, and, and then you would like enter into a competition to see if you could get the closest mark. And so if you thought I got like 33, 
33.56, then you'd write 33.56, and then you enter it into the competition, and your entry fee was however much you thought that I got. So you'd have to pay 33.56, and then the money went to charity, and, uh, and, then we've, and then we opened it like at the end of the night, and we had like a big reveal, and I got 99.9. I didn't. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the whole point was I wanted to prove, I wanted to be like, I'm not a number. Like, my identity isn't caught up in this number. Like, if you've got, like, four digits and a point in the middle, that's not who you are, and it's not going to define my life. And after 10 years, I hadn't opened it, and I'd finished, I'd finished a degree, I had a full-time job. Like, things were going all right, and I proved my point. Anyway, this story is the story that people keep, you know, wanting me to tell. Like, didn't you not open the results? And, and I like telling the story because, like, this is, says something about who I am. I remember it. I'm like, I'm that guy who, like, I'm, I'm not so conformist. Like, if you tell me something and I think that it's, like, not worth actually obeying, then, like, why would I do it? Like, I obey rules. I love rules. But if it's just, like, a, a guideline or a tradition and it makes no sense to me, like, no, don't do it. That tells me something about who I am. And maybe it's true, and maybe it's not, but it's something that I keep telling myself. And, and as I tell it, it kind of shapes who I am, and so I keep wanting to live up to that story. Now, I tell you this because in this passage that we see here, uh, we see a story that is being told. And the people of God, the Israelites, they have gone into Israel, they've had all their fights, they've fought the Amorites and the Jebusites and the Gergesites and the Vegemites and the Marmites. <laughs> and they've fought all those people and then they're now settling in the land. They've had like all the different groups, the, the tribes of Israel, they've been given their spots. And now they're settling down. And as they settle down, Joshua calls them all together. And he's an old man by this stage. And as an old man, he's saying to them, Here is, this is who you are. And now you need to decide who are you going to serve? What story is your story that gives you identity and what story are you going to continue to tell as you move on through life? So if you have a look at the beginning, he starts off uh, from uh, verse um, 2. He starts off by telling people the story about how Abraham, Abraham was off worshipping other gods and then God was like, Abraham. And then Abraham was like, what? And then God was like, Abraham, you need to come with me and I'm going to bring you out of your land. And then Abraham came out of the land and then God gave him a land and set him up in the land of Canaan, which is where they were. And then he talks about how uh, then Abraham's descendants went down to Egypt and then they spent some time in Egypt. And then God, uh, they were stuck in Egypt under slavery. And then God raised up Moses and Aaron to lead them and to lead them out of slavery. And then so God sent afflictions on the Egyptians, which were the plagues, you know, like the frogs and the gnats and the blood and the darkness. And then eventually the death of the firstborn. And God saved them through that. And then, tell, then he talks about how uh, they also made it to like the, the Red Sea and God parted the waters and they went through the waters and they were safe and uh, all of Pharaoh's army got drowned. Uh, they, they, were not, they were freed by God from slavery and God saved them and they headed into the wilderness and they spent years wandering around the wilderness. And now they've made it to the promised land and they've come out of the, out of the wilderness into the promised land and they've had all their battles and God helped them to win their battles. And so now here they are in the land and, and Joshua now asks them this question. He's told them this story and he says this. Now look at, look at verse 14. Actually, look at verse 13 if you want. He's saying that God has saved you and then he says this. He said, I 
God gave you the land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build. And you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And what he's saying there is saying, you didn't do this. You didn't save yourself. This is all a gift to you. This is all God's grace to you. You didn't build these cities that you were living in. You didn't plant these plants that you're eating from. This is all a gift from God. Now, who are you going to serve? Which God are you going to serve? Who are you going to choose? Are you going to choose the God who saved you, the God who gave you these things? Or are you going to choose the other gods, the gods that we talked about last night, the gods uh, who, who don't do anything for you, they just take from you, even to the point of taking your children from you? Which God are you going to choose? And Joshua says, I, me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. And you need to make a choice. Now, the truth is that you guys are and from here. You're going back uh, to whatever you have come from. And you'll be back at school soon enough. And you'll have to make a choice. As you leave Soul Survivor, you'll need to make a choice. Which God are you going to serve? Now, being here at Soul Survivor, it's really easy to serve God here. To be like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Like, because everyone here either believes in Jesus or is thinking about Jesus or is pretending to believe in Jesus. Like, everyone's, you know, somewhere along the, the journey or at least they're not putting up a fight. They're just kind of going with the flow. It's really easy to serve God here at Soul Survivor. Like, you come to a main meeting or a chapel to like twice a day, you sing to God, everyone's doing it, it's really easy, you're getting taught the Bible, it's easy, but you're going to go back to stuff, back to somewhere where it's hard, and you're going to have to make a choice, who are you going to serve, which God is going to be your God, because there's not just one God out there, there are so many different gods that you can choose to serve, and they're not the same types of gods from these days, but they are the gods of the people around you. There's the God of academic success that says that if you do well at, at your work, then you have achieved what is important. There's the God of acceptance from your friends. That's the God that says, you know, what is most important is that everybody knows you and likes you, that you fit in. Or there's the God uh, of relationships that says if you've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend, then you will be happy. Then life is good. There's the God of comfort that says, you know what, the most important thing in life is just that you are happy and comfortable. Just look after yourself, look after number one, then you'll be fine. There are all these different gods, and the question is, which one will you serve? Will you serve those gods, or will you serve the true God? The God of Jesus, the God of the Bible, the God that we have been singing to. Well, Moses puts this, sorry, Joshua puts this question to the people and the people answer. They say, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord, our God himself, who brought us and our, and our parents out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. See how they're retelling the story here? They're telling the story. They're saying, this is what shapes us. They say, he protected us. 
from our entire, for our entire journey among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. They're like, this is, we're going to serve God. They've made their choice. And look at what Joshua says next. It's great. He says, you are not able to serve the Lord. That's a very strange thing to say. Like, they're like, we're going to serve God. It's like, no, you're not. That's weird. Like, imagine if last night I was like, if you want to follow Jesus, stand up. And then people stood up and like, sit back down. You are not going to do that. Why does he say this? Why would he be like, you can't do that? He says, well, because the Lord is holy. Because it's hard to serve the Lord. Because he knows what they are like. That God is too holy, too righteous, and too hard to follow. He's saying, you're going to get it wrong. You're going to stop following this God. And he's saying this, and then if you read the rest of the story, you see that it's true. Whatever commitment they've made, they haven't followed through on it. And the question for you is, who are you going to serve? When you leave here, which God are you going to serve? In 1997, uh, which was a long time ago, I was in my own youth group and I went on a camp and on this camp there was a speaker and she did a talk and she said to us, she was like, you know what, statistics tell us that in 10 years only 10% of you will still be Christians. I was like, what? She was like, yeah, that's what statistics say. And I was like, I don't want... I don't want to be part of that 90%. I want to be part of the 10% that keeps following Jesus. So I went home and I got myself a piece of paper out of the printer and I got some whiteboard markers that were lying around. I don't know why we had whiteboard markers lying around the house. Maybe my family loves doing presentations. But we had whiteboard markers and then I sat down at the table and I wrote this, this thing on this piece of paper. I wrote, where will you be in 2007? And then I put that sign on the back of the toilet door so that every time I went to the toilet, I would turn around and then I'd be like, ah, where will I be in 2007? Probably going to the toilet, but hopefully also following Jesus. (laughs) And then eventually the the sign uh, was promoted from the toilet door to the front door of the house. And so there was a sign on the front door, at the back of the front door, that every time you left the house, you had the question asked, where will you be in 2007? And me and my family, we knew that this question was saying, are you going to keep serving Jesus? Are you going to keep serving Jesus? In, but after 10 years, will you still be found faithful? And the, what I found is that after 10 years, I was still serving Jesus, which was great. But I also found that a lot of people weren't. In my time doing youth ministry, I've kind of looked back over the people who went to my youth group and and I don't think the statistics are as bad as that 90% of people stop following Jesus. But people do stop following Jesus. Probably, I think, around 50%, as far as I can tell, are the ones who are really keen and continually going to youth group, about 50% of them stop following Jesus. Because it's hard. Because there are all these different gods out there for you to follow. There are all these different demands on you. And so the question is, which God are you going to choose? Who are you going to follow? 
You know what I hope? I hope that in 10 years' time, you are all still following Jesus. I hope all of you are. And you know what? Why don't you put a reminder in your phone? Like, put a daily reminder in and be like, where will I be in 2028? You know what you could even do if you're really keen? Get into your calendar and go forward 10 years to the 18th of April, 2028, and be like, oh, 19th. Yeah, all right. I was, I was trying to skimp you a day. Uh, the 19th of April, 2028. And put a thing in saying, are you still following Jesus? And if you want, send me an email, tom.french at live.com. You can send me it. It'll probably still work then. If it doesn't, you can just find me on Facebook. If that doesn't work, then, I don't know, there'll be like government surveillance. You could be just like, hey, tell Tom I'm still a Christian. <laughs> and then like my television will be like, that person from Soul Survivor is still a Christian. I'm like, thanks, TV. <laughs> but why don't you commit now to say, I'm going to keep following Jesus. I don't know about everyone else, but as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. Now the question is though, how do you do that? Because still there is this thing hanging over us, this thing that Joshua said, it's like you're not going to keep following the Lord. So how do you do that? How do you keep following him? Well, there's two things which I want to do. Like there's always like, you know, the normal stuff, keep going to church because if you don't keep going to church, it's going to be really hard to keep following Jesus. Go to youth group, read your Bible, pray, all those things. Those are important. But I'm going to give you two things. One thing is, Keep telling yourself the story of who you are. Keep telling yourself the story of how you were saved so that you know that the most important story, your most important identity story is the thing that you keep repeating to yourself so you don't get into trouble, so you don't stray into the, the wrong parts of life. So you keep on the road following Jesus. Uh, I went to the USA uh, a few years ago and uh, as you probably know, in the United States, everyone drives on the other side of the road from what we drive on in Australia. Well, they drive on both sides of the road like we do. On the do you mean right as in correct? <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Thank, thanks. God bless America. Anyway, but uh, they were driving on the wrong side of the road, and I was there, and I was like, well, I've got to be, I've got to make sure I remember remember what I'm doing as I'm driving along. Because I'm like, if I forget where I am, if I forget my story, then I'm going to end up on the wrong side of the road and I'm going to get taken out by a truck. So, so, I'm driving, so I'm like reminding myself, like, all right, Tom, remember you caught a plane here and then you hopped off the plane and you went to the hire car place and then you hired the car and you're now sitting in a Chrysler PT Cruiser and you're driving along and you're, as you drive along, you've got to make sure that when you turn left, that you don't turn left onto the incorrect side of the road and then I'm driving along and really what I'm doing is I'm just telling myself I'm like you're in the USA you're in the USA you're in the USA you're in the, you're in the USA ah! because if I don't remember the story I'm gonna die if I forget where I am I'm gonna be in big trouble well the truth is that we have to remember who we are we have to remember our story otherwise we are gonna be in big trouble so what is your story well, your story, it begins before you came here to Soul Survivor, and it begins before you, you know, became a Christian. It begins before you were born. 
The story begins way back at the beginning of time when, when God created the world and he created it good, but sin entered the world. And then God started working to bring people back to himself. And eventually he came to us in his son, Jesus Christ, as God himself who died on the cross so that we might be forgiven for our sins. That it says uh, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It says that before the creation of the world, God chose us in him to become his children. And so when Jesus died for us, he saved us, he forgave us, and he welcomed us into his family so that when we put our trust in him, we can become children of God. And then this broken world, one day the Bible tells us Jesus is coming back and he's going to make it right. And so you've got to keep telling yourself that story so it's a better story and it's a realer story than all the other stories that are being told to you. Then the story of the God of academic success that tells you the story that if you just work hard enough, then then you will will have everything you need. You've got to say, no, that's not my story. Or the story that says that if, if you... If you have the right friends around you, then your life will be fine. And you say, no, that's not my story. No, my story is that I have a God who loves me. I have a God who saved me. And I have a God who's coming back for me. God loves me. God saved me. Saved me. God's coming back for me. And you tell yourself that story again and again and again. And as you do that, you'll be able to stay on the path following Jesus. But still, as we saw, the Israelites, they knew their story and they still stuffed up. They still got it wrong. So there's something else that we need. And the truth is that what they didn't have at that point, that we all get now, is that we get God with us. We get the Holy Spirit who lives in us and empowers us to keep following Jesus. That we get to be people who say, you know what, I know my story and I know my God and my God is with me. Because there are some things in life that we just can't do on our own. If we try and do it on our own, we're going to be in big trouble. Like there are some little things that we can't do on our own, like, like haircuts. <laughs> like I have like a hair cutting machine and I try and cut my own hair and, a, and it's kind of like a mullet when I get it done, except it's like, you know, business in the front and like a massacre at the back. <laughs> and so I need someone else to come and fix it up. I can't do that by myself. There are other things you can't do by yourself. You can't, you know, play hide and seek by yourself. It's very dull. <laughs> you can't play tip by yourself. That's dull. And you can't follow Jesus by yourself. You need the Holy Spirit who is with you all the time. And you know what? You're going to get it wrong. You're going to stuff it up. You're going to choose the other gods. And so you need to know that he is with you and he's reminding you again and again that you are forgiven, you are loved, that you are welcomed into God's family. You have a God who loves you, a God who has saved you, and a God who is coming back for you. And you can keep following him again and again and again if only you will rely on the Spirit. You can't do it by yourself. We see that again and again in the Bible, but you can do it with him. So as you go, the question is, which God are you going to choose? Which God will you choose? Choose the one who saved you. 
Choose the one who gave his life for you at the cross. Choose the one who sent his spirit to live with you and empower you. Choose the one who is coming back for you. Choose that God. Every other God is a false God. Every other God will take from you and take from you and take from you. But there is one God who has given everything for you and that is Jesus. He loves you. He saved you. He's coming back for you. And he will get you there if you trust in him.